Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's Jan- January 6, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're jo- joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope that everyone had a, stayed safe and had a wonderful holiday season. On to our announcements. The show is beginning our fourth year. We're pleased to announce that. It's uh, quite an honor to have been there here that long, uh, beginning this fourth year. And... Uh, that's uh, thank you to all the listeners that have been so loyal over that time and listening. We appreciate it. We hope you find value in our show, and if you do, please tell one more person. Thank you. Uh, uh, announcement two: Working for a Living radio show continues to support Medicare for everyone. Three: Working for a Living radio show continues to support the end of corporations being considered as legal citizens. A little more on that part of this uh, later in the show. Uh, four, Working for a Living vehemently opposes General Motors' November 26 decision and admonishes them to reverse their ill-conceived decision immediately. Announcement five, after our December 16th show, we had some announcements. Videos came out from different people. On December 17th, the UAW Vice President of the GM Department, Terry Dietis, said in a video, the announcement by General Motors is about more than just our members. It's about the country itself. On the 18th of December, two days after our last radio, or radio show, U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown essentially said the same thing, that General Motors' decision isn't about just the Lordstown workers. This is about also about the country. On December 19th, this gets better all the time here, December 19th, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden said, and I paraphrase, this decision by General Motors is not only about the workers, but it affects the country itself. Announcement number six, on December 18th, Danielle Zubal Hilton wrote a very moving letter to Mary Barra, admonishing her for what she is doing regarding all of the announcements they've been making and how it is to go through such horrible things in your life, decisions that affect you and your family 
for many, many years. Announcement number seven, on December 21st, 2018, the Trump government shutdown began. On December 20th, it was announced that Lordstown Seeding Systems is to end production following the GM plant closure. This keeps getting worse there, doesn't it? Around the country, too. Remember that there was a statement that was released that said they have five other plants, additional plants, that are at risk because they are not at the 80% desired threshold for capacity utilization. And they uh, said at least two plants in Michigan will be affected. So those of you around here that think it's all hunky-dory, it's not. Uh, Announcement number 10, on January 2nd, the UAW unprecedentedly sued General Motors for breach of contract under Title 29 U.S.C. 185 and another uh, citation, but we didn't put that one in there. Uh, And announcement number 11, on January 4th, General Motors responded to the UAW lawsuit. Thank you for all of those uh, announcements that came in uh, along those lines. We appreciate everything uh, that you and and for us and that uh, the listeners that have joined us over the years. Thank you very much. Um, the Lord, I want to just take a moment and uh, talk about the Drive It Home campaign down there in Lordstown, and it seems to be going along well. Uh, They have uh, uh, some requests for money. They actually haven't requested. We're going to send them some money, Uh, and we got that uh, information where to send it uh, here. And uh, if you want to send money to them to try and help them to keep their – Drive It Home campaign alive, you would do that to the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber of Commerce Foundation and in the memo, put in Drive It Home campaign. Okay? So if you're so inclined to help anybody in that area keep their job, retain their work there, and then we can mimic and, you know, essentially rinse and repeat uh, that program as time goes by for other plants should they become at risk. So they're really doing some good things there, and they've got the heat turned up, and we're helping them tonight as well, you'll see. Uh, having said that, um, thanks again for everything that everybody sends in to us all the time. Uh, let me bring on Jeff Brown. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. It's, uh... That's very good uh, day to walk outside with just a T-shirt. <laughs> We're still in January. I stay. I tell you, everybody's asking what happened in the winter. You know, it's it's, it's a little disconcerting. Some if you really think about it, you know, because we usually, you know, knee deep to uh, snow this time of the year. You know, but we don't have it. It's uh, no. it's bothering. 
you know, and, and people say, well, it's it's not climate change, it's just weather. But this has been going on for a while where we don't have these really hard winters. I mean, that's I mean, one or two snows a year. We had one, what, five-inch snow. And if you didn't mm-hmm. really need to, you didn't have to shovel your snow. It wasn't that much, but we, I did. We got it around here. I had to plow a guy come and do it. So, um, so anything else going on in your area besides good weather? No, everything's kind of quiet. Um, down here in Flat Rock. So we're, we're just chugging along, enjoying the weather while we can. Okay. You know we're going to get hit sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I think you have an email that you want to read. It came in actually just before our last show, and I, I'm remiss, I missed it. Uh, it's kind of a lengthy email. And it goes into some detail about another plant that closed 10 years ago. And, um, uh, you know, I'll let you read that email. I think it's very informative. And, and, you know, other people have had to go through this, and it needs to stop. All of this needs to stop. So if you want to read that, Jeff, go ahead. Sure. Like you said, it is very long, so bear with me. I want to thank working for a living, for remembering my home local, 95, Janesville Assembly, on your December 9th radio show. Most people don't realize the devastation that occurs to a community and the workers' families when a plant is closed. Janesville Assembly plant was in operation from 1919 to 2008 when it was officially listed as title by GM. Janesville Locals 95 and 121 Fisher Body were original sit-down locals in 1937. And at its peak, Janesville plant employed 7,000 workers in 1970. My family roots went back, way back in the history of the plant. My father moved from North Minnesota to Janesville, carrying a job to a family member in 1953. Most of my aunts and uncles and cousins had one or more family members working there. This was typical of the workforce. It was the family business for many Janesville families, and we took such pride in building a quality product. It's been 10 years now, and I must admit I'm still salty about the way it all went down and the dishonest way that GM handled it. Today is a very different day in the industry. The GM is still treating its employees like they are disposable. To all of the brothers and sisters whose lives are being thrown into turmoil by GM currently, I would like to say this, that you are not alone. We are with you. You just sit back with your loved ones and develop a plan to react on it. Whatever you decide to do, moving it to a new location is difficult, but definitely doable. Thanks again for working for a living, for not forgetting about us. I will always remember my years at Janesville Plant with my UAW family and the fondness. We had a good thing going there and had a hell of a run, but it all came to end on December 23rd, 2008. 
that was the day of my life as a home, and also the day of my life as a GM gypsy began. As hard as it was, I will tell you that after all these years and all the travel miles, Paul General Motors did was make him meet stronger. Uh, that came from um, a good friend of ours. Um, we won't mention his name. Right. But you you can um, go on YouTube, I believe. There's, there was a video post about the Janesville plant closing and the devastation it took on his community. Uh, doctor's offices, mom and pop stores, um, they all go away. It's not just the plant and its employees, it's the community that's affected when we shut down plants in, in the U.S. Um, just look around Detroit. You can see that for yourself if you can remember what it was like back in the 1970s. Uh, all the plants around one little area, they are now leveled. It's a good uh, email. We thank you, brother, for sending it in. Right. Thank you, brother. That's very, very nice email. And, uh, you know, I around here they sometimes take General Motors in Lansing, Michigan, for granted, and uh, for them being here, and they'll toy around with the idea of selling our municipal uh, utility for uh, uh, electricity, steam, and water and because it's a municipal utility it's one of the cheapest rates in the nation that's why General Motors has uh, favored this area for some time uh, but they get the idea that they're going to sell it and make it a for-profit and cause price prices to rise uh, that's uh, that's that, you know it's problematic to do that and I remind them just like you said Jeff there's a whole lot of places that don't have that industrial General Motors facility there any longer. I think there were some 60-plus communities that lost General Motors uh, not so very long ago, like in the late 90s. And that happened almost simultaneously. So this this, uh, constricting of the corporation here and moving it overseas and uh, out of the country and out to third-party uh, suppliers, often owned by the former GM executives, uh, has really taken its toll on these uh, plants. So, um, you know, any anybody that's got one, you better try and keep it. And who knows what what may occur? But and I keep telling them here, you know, you don't get too complacent. You know, and when the sine wave is at the top, that's where you try and attract work, and it's already starting to constrict, so you're seeing that, and it's more, there's more coming, so but we need to be careful, so thanks for reading that email, Jeff, and certainly thanks to our brother and friend that's uh, sent that in. That was uh, quite a, an effort to write that. It was quite long, uh, and we really appreciate that from him. I was a brother, so thank you. Uh, and I'll get to email uh, number two, and there, this was new, numerous responses uh, in response to my uh, statement at the end of the uh, show on December 16th. We took a couple of weeks off during the holiday, uh, and that uh, um, uh, at the end of it, I asked if you want me to follow up with this uh, notion that 
there there's possible treason or how we might do that. Uh, and they said, go ahead and follow up with it, Leroy. So I researched a little more. We, we can't ask for anybody to uh, have a trial, the Congress to have a trial, but we can ask them to review the legislation uh, to uh, regarding treason and the new emergence of the New, newly, newly established uh, corporate citizen, uh, and uh, they have personhood now. I guess so. Uh, in my research, I found that. So that's uh, been done. It's been a little effort on my part, uh, and a lot of other people contributed. Thank you very much. Uh, but I pulled all their information and what I researched put together, and it's on this page. Uh, as you click on it uh, on Facebook and on my own Facebook page and on the 30-some, uh, uh, probably closer to 40-some uh, Facebook pages that we post to, uh, over well over 70,000 of you will get access to that directly through Facebook and then uh, almost a like number uh, outside of Facebook as well other marketing things we do. Uh, thank you for that email, those emails. Uh, and one email came in and said, Leroy, we, we are at global financial war. And again, we're not giving out names, but yeah, we are. It's, uh, uh, we've, we've got, uh, and you, you'll hear more about this, but the, the uh, trade deficit, how much money we buy from other countries multiplied monthly, compounded monthly with the 10-year treasury uh, note interest rate of that same time, the same month. Uh, if you compound that since the baseline of 1982 when most of this started, uh, the rest of the world was free to change to a sales tax point of uh, uh, cost of government versus our point of manufacture. It doesn't sound like much, but it's a 32% advantage to the rest of the world that they've been taking on our our uh, products, our consumer economy here. But if you compound that, it equals our reported $21 trillion today. So there's a guy out there by the name of Euclid, mathematician, uh, that said he was... Um, all things that are equal are related, essentially. So, uh, and that's written up in this document we'll talk about later in the show, the second segment. Uh, as it turns out, we are blessed tonight to have a amazing woman who's running for a political office. But uh, she sent in a, uh, a, a an audio track for us to play. Uh, so but let me thank all the email writers for your questions, and then we'll have her on, then we'll get to our uh, some of the other things we typically do. But let's bring her on. Uh, we're not going to bring her on at this moment. We're going to play her um, audio she sent, and uh, we hope you like it. This is I haven't, I haven't really heard the whole thing, but it's about 28 seconds long, and then I'm going to introduce her, and we'll bring her on for you. Hi, this is Pam Gerald, your candidate for chair of the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus. For too long, black people have not had a seat at the table to set our own agenda. I am running to be your voice in the Michigan Democratic Party. 
Can you feel it? Sign up at michigandems.com to vote for me at the February 2019 convention and follow the campaign on Facebook. Wasn't that something special there? Okay, so uh, let me introduce the longtime resident of Oakland County, Michigan. She's a wife, daughter, sister, aunt, godmother, and friend, a college graduate, a precinct delegate, a Michigan Democratic Party member, 14th Congressional District member, Oakland County Dem Party member, Northville Democratic Party member, Farmington Hills Party member, and Southfield Lathrop Dem Clubs. She's a member of the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus, Wayne County Black Caucus, and the Oakland County Black Caucus, community activist and co-founder of the Southfield Citizens Oversight Committee. She's a, uh, on the Sheffield Police Chief Advisory Board, and she's a former member of the Southfield Charter Committee. She's a new friend of mine, and let me tell you, she is a fireplug hard worker, just an amazing woman. She's smart, she listens, she absorbs like a sponge, and she's out to change the world and do some really good things. So I don't know if we can change the world all that much, but please welcome Pam Gerald. I hope I got it right. Pamela Gerald. Gerald. Hi. Gerald, okay. Yes. Hi. Hi, Pam Gerald. How are you, my new friend? Yeah, we're doing good here. Yeah, say hi. I wanted to first of all say good evening to you and Jeff Brown and wish you happy fourth anniversary on your podcast. Thank you. Well, we're starting our fourth year. (laughs) Okay. We got a little ways to get to four years, but we're starting our fourth year. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're pleased to have you. Um, and, yeah, you know, Pam, I, you know, I, I haven't known you very long. I've done a little research on you, and, and certainly we've had several pretty long discussions about how things ought to be going, and we're pretty much on on track, uh, you know, lockstep. Uh, and, I, you know, I find you full of energy, uh, a hard worker, like I said earlier, and uh, just an amazing person. And you bring a, um, a common sense approach to your leadership style that you have, and you've got a lot of experience, life experience. Uh, and we, we talked about, uh, you know, if you're a chair in any capacity in a uh, political organization, you need to know political science and management and marketing, those three disciplines, the larger disciplines, and then you need to know all the, the sub-elements of those. And you pretty much got a good handle on those, sister, I'll tell you. So tell us about yourself. Tell, tell the listeners a little more. Well, as you said earlier, I'm a wife, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a godmother, a community activist, and I love my community Um, I'm college educated. I've been fighting the good fight for a very, very long time. 
I fight for the employees in the city of Southfield to get better union contracts, the cost of living increases, and not getting an increase and then take the increase by raising their medical insurance premium. I fought against drilling in a residential area in the city of Southfield. We fought against the zoning or rezoning for Walmart where they wanted to put a big box store that was not conducive to the area. We fought for a permanent fire and police chief. We fought for our first African-American fire chief in the city of Southfield. And the list goes on. Um, And it's just whatever issue needs to be taken care of in my community, whatever resident has a problem or an employee has a problem, that's what I fight for. I fight for the working people. Thank you for that. Uh, we really, we really appreciate that. I, you know, I, I know that from talking to you, but it's nice to hear you say it to everybody else because, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the end, it's all about being happy and having a good job and and going home to your family and and uh, being able to, uh, you know, have time with them and uh, be able to support them in a way that's, you know, pleasant you know, so that you can be happy, take a vacation, you know, um, and have a, a, a fallback fund. I mean, if you, you know, money in reserve in case something goes wrong. So it's, uh, it, all these things are important. And uh, so we, uh, you know, we appreciate your, your uh, perspective on that. Um, let me ask you, uh, as, I expect you to get elected, by the way. Thank you Uh, so much. I received that blessing. You're welcome. Uh, But as chair, uh, what are some of the things that you'd like to bring to that caucus and to the party at large and some of the things you might like to see changed? Well, the chair of the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus position, um, and this is a position where – you move around the state of Michigan, and you fall under the umbrella of the Michigan Democratic Party. It's just one of their units. The mission of the caucus and the role of the caucus chair is to support and promote African-American candidates that run for political office, to embrace candidates that understand the necessity of the black agenda, and to also establish caucuses across the state. That's the role of the chair for the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus. What my team hope to do, if we are privy to be elected, we're going to do the mission statement, but we're going to work effectively in addressing political concerns of the African-American community and expand our agenda for the caucus using what we call our CEO strategy. CEO, for us, is an acronym that means create, educate, and organize. And that's what we're looking to do. We've got a 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day plan. I was a bit upset to find out that the caucus has been in business for a very long time, 
but it lacks the structure and there's nothing that is archived or out that would talk about the history of the caucus. So that's what we're looking to do. We're going to reestablish some things uh, about the caucus. We're going to put together our CEO strategy and implement our 30, 60, and 90-day plan. So we will be ready to get our plan started February 3rd, one day after the 2019 Spring Michigan Democratic Party Convention that's going to be at Cobo Hall. Um, uh, in your, uh, uh, what is your criteria for ca- candidate selection, uh, grooming, and uh, g- you know, garnering them to uh, actually run? And when do you hope to have your candidates selected in place in in districts where it's reasonable that they could get elected, as we discussed the other the other uh, night? Um, you know, because this is, you know, politics is all local, and you know, uh, where your bases are is where you're most likely to get elected. And we discussed that a little bit. But when do you think? What's your timeline for uh, having a candidate groomed and, and or selected uh, and to actually go out there and work hard? And the criteria that you might use to select a candidate to do such things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what would you want to expand expand on that a bit? Well, first, that that's a great question, Leroy. And first of all, what I look for in a candidate is a candidate that is concerned about the people. That's the first thing that you need to be concerned about. Are you doing it because you're passionate? You are committed to community. Uh, We need a candidate that would have fire in the belly. Money should not be the motivating or the sole factor for a candidate running for office. So once you identify that this person wants to run for office, then there's a couple of things that you want to look for. Does this person have the political charisma necessary to run for office? Do they have a proposed agenda, and if they do, how are they going to put that together to become the ultimate candidate? So what I would be looking to do, I would find a candidate, and I would say to this candidate, you need to understand the position that you're running for. You need to understand the makeup of the community. You need to understand the mindset of the voters. And you need a plan. You need a plan. So once that's been identified, I say to my candidates, the area that you hope to represent, you need to go in that area prior to becoming a candidate. Voters have gotten so smart over the last 25 years. They know that candidates just come around before the election. And you can't realistically come around four months before the election and think that people are going to trust you. Because trust politically is very hard to achieve. So what I would say to this potential candidate, you need to start campaigning a year before you want to run for office. Going in the community, going to the meetings, listening to the voters, talking to the voters, and that would let them know 
that you're really concerned. So once we find this candidate, we think that he's a great candidate, then you start exposing He or she. He or she. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. He or she, because there are a lot of she candidates. Um, And once we determine that he or she would be suited for this office, then you take them around those groups in the community and try to start early building bridges and building relationships. What I'm hoping to do if I become chair of the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus, I want to eliminate having seven or eight or nine candidates running for office. There has to be some dialogue. You determine who has the best skill set, who has the best message at this time, and that's the candidate that you want to work with. What I think we need to be doing now, and you and I talked about this, Leroy, we need to find candidates now coming up with this local after the midterm election because you've got a lot of city council races, school board races that are coming up. But we need to identify candidates now in 2019 for 2020. So the work is not done. We need candidates that will be talking about those five necessary things that you need, a plan, the ability to organize, the ability to motivate, how to control, and how to coordinate. Those are the candidates and the characteristics of the candidate that we hope to find. Right, right, right. And you and I talked about that's one of the uh, the disciplines that we talked about uh, that, uh, of course, you know, the political science of it and the marketing of it, but those, those, those fundamentals you just mentioned are very, very important. Right. And, you know, I've, I've been very successful in implementing those over the years. Uh, so um, I'm glad that you uh, also knew those before, beforehand and had them part of your plan as well. So, right. Um, you know, Leroy, so, I loved what you said in the beginning. And I'm not going to quote you verbatim, but what I got out of what you said, you said a good, lead, good leadership is never about power and control It's about serving, and that is so in line with one of the quotes that Dr. Martin Luther King said, Martin Luther King, Jr., since we're coming up on his birthday. And his quote says, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice, not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. That's what we want. I know you to be one of those those person. You know, I mean, we we talked about leadership, and uh, you asked me some questions about leadership in the black community. I I uh, quite frankly told you what my very good friend and who's now in Canada has told me some time ago, and I I aspire to his his theory. And you know, there have been really good. Uh, black leaders in in days gone by but today we seem to uh, rather than black leaders we have leading blacks and i aspire to help uh you know groom black leaders uh, along with someone like yourself i'm happy to lend anything that i know and you learned a lot about 
you know, some of the things I bring to the table that I don't tell everybody. Uh, and, you know, my inner circle knows it. But uh, you, uh, you, you got the opportunity to listen to some of that, uh, and you assimilated it just like a sponge, and I really appreciate that in you. And I think you're going to be an amazing black leader, not Thank a leading you. Not a Thank black. You. you know, Leroy well, and Jeff, people have asked me why am I running for this position. I have done what you've done, Leroy and Jeff, and that is to make kings and queens to help people get elected. I've never ran for office, but I've been appointed to several things or commissioned to do several things. I'm running because I want to serve the black constituents and to make sure that every voice of the people are heard. Now, what makes me different than the other candidates? I'm not a part of the status quo or the establishment. I'm the only candidate coming in the race with a real plan that will change and benefit our community, and that is the 30, 60, and 90-day plan. I didn't come up with a list of 100 things and come up with a 10-feet-tall uh, flyer that says I'm going to do 100 things. Me and my team got together, and we met, and we said the term for Black Caucus chair is two years. They vote for a new chair every two years at the spring convention. What are a list of things that we can accomplish realistically in two years? And that's when we came up with our plan. So I'm asking your listeners. I I think Jeff's got a question for you, if you don't mind uh, taking a question. No, go right ahead, Jeff. Yeah, um, how many people are on your team? Well, you have, Um, have, I'm I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead. um, I'm very impressed by what you're saying, um, because I normally don't hear candidates uh, for any position, either on um, public officials or union officials. Um, I've been involved in politics for about 30 years. And, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your team, um, where are they from, how many are on there. Okay. Um, so I really like what you're saying. Okay. According to the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus bylaws, you have statutory officers and then you have executive board members. So if the chair is a female, then the bylaws require that the first vice chair is a male. If the chair is a male, then it has to be a female first vice chair. So you have the chair, first vice chair, second vice chair, corresponding secretary, recording secretary, treasurer, parliamentarian, and a sergeant of arms. And then you need at least 10 executive board members. That's uh, pretty uh, pretty well documented here. I, I like that. I Thank you. One more quote um, that I use a lot during my, my years in the plant, uh, which is true leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. Um, Can you say that again, Jeff? Can you say that again? Yep. True leaders don't create followers. 
they create more leaders. That one come out okay? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been using Judge, my path. He's pretty, pretty formidable himself over there, let me tell you. <laughs> he's coached a lot of well, Jeff, I might yeah, use that quote, but I definitely won't plagiarize. I'll say where I got well, it from and from who. Well, I got it from uh, somewhere on the Internet years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just, I have it on my wall and just so I can remind me, you know, what a leader does. Um, right. Many of our uh, union leaders seem to think that once they are in power, their way or the highway, you know, they don't want to train other leaders. Right. Um, and that's a problem, so, uh, I think, within most organizations, and especially mm-hmm. within the Michigan Democratic Party, we don't have secession planning. You know, we get people in these positions, they feel like they own the positions, and they don't train the younger people to take over when we're done. I'm only going to be doing this another 40 or 50 years, but I am also (laughs) working with younger girls and boys or ladies and young men to groom them so that if I get tired before 50 years, I can walk out and they can walk in. Exactly. Exactly, Exactly. yeah. And, Leroy, I just want to correct you on one thing. Um, uh, when you were in, doing the intro, you said the Sheffield Police Department. It's the Southfield Police Department Citizens okay. Advisory Board. Okay. I, I yeah. misspoke. I'm judging. No, that's yeah. okay. So you, you had one other thing that you told me about personally that you didn't have on that. Would you uh, uh, talk about that for just a second? Yes. I have a certificate from the state court administrator that says that I have 40 hours at least in mediation, and I have additional certificates in mediation. And we all know what mediation is. You're the person that solves disputes. And one of the characteristics of a mediator is you have to be a good listener. Right, right, right. So that's an important quality and an important skill to have as chair of the Michigan Democratic Black Caucus. Okay. That's right. So okay, I would good. like to appeal to your Michigan Democratic Party member listeners to come out and vote for the People's Voice Slate on February 2nd, 2019 at the Spring Michigan Democratic Convention at Cobo Hall. Come early because the convention starts at 7 It's going to be a record turnout. Get your credentials early, and as soon as you get your credentials, go right to room 141, which is where the Black Caucus meeting is going to be held, and then you'll have to get in one more line to get your voting ballot. Okay. Who's eligible to vote? Anybody that's a member of the Michigan Democratic Party. So you do not have to be a member of the Black Caucus, but you can't be a member of the Black Caucus and vote if you're not a member of the Michigan Democratic Party. And I've heard a few things uh, in just small talk, 
and I'm just hoping that this convention has the highest level of integrity because it did not two years ago. Well, we always hope for the best at convention. Sometimes it doesn't turn out that way, but um, let's, let's hope for the best. You know, yeah. I've been a part of a lot of these conventions and put some of them, had a, lot, a big hand in putting some of them together and, and actually administering some of them, so uh, chairing uh, at, all, at, at least two levels, the county and the district, a little bit uh, when the, uh, I was set in as temporary chair at the, at the, uh, the congressional district level. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so you, you always hope for the best, and when I got set in, it was because of my parliamentary uh, experience uh, because we had a somebody that was a problem at the moment to the le- other leaders that want they needed me in there to uh, you know chair the meeting during that uh, troubled time. But uh, we were kind to everybody. But it's uh, sometimes they you know and we went by the book. As long okay. as you go by the book, you're you're okay. But right. you know these. These things that get in the way are, are we didn't we turn the mic off on you or we we cut you off short. Those are unacceptable behaviors. You must go by the parliamentary rules, and I believe the Michigan Democratic Party uses Robert's Rules of Order, as I recall. Yeah, um, but they the, did not have not, Robert's Rules of Order in this convention two years ago for the Black Caucus. Caucus. There there wasn't a lot of Robert's Rules of Order going on in there. Yeah, let's appeal to the leaders that are listening that you run Absolutely. a good, you you run a good clean Robert's Rules of Order convention at every meeting and every caucus and every congressional district meeting. So, having well, said that, I want to ask you and Jeff Leroy, what are you doing on January the 11th and January the 25th from 6 to 8 p.m.? If both of you are available, I would love to invite you to my two upcoming town hall meetings, and this is where the public will get a chance to come in and meet and greet me, and I can meet and greet the public, and then I'm going to be taking questions and giving answers about what we're going to bring to the table. So if you're not busy or on the air at that time, I would love for you to come to these two town hall meetings. Well, we'll They're going we'll to be January, 20, January 11th and 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Southfield Kappa, like the Fraternity Kappa Center, located at 19800 James Cousins Freeway in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Okay. Um, and was that the address for both places? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. That's that's uh, something that everybody should put on their calendar. If you're able and available to go, uh, you can meet this. This is a fantastic person right here. I'm telling you, you you haven't met anybody uh, like her in a long time. Believe me, if it, you know, because there's a lot of people out there. Uh, you know that are doing it for own on self-interest. One of the first things she and I discussed was, I'm, I'm, me personally, I'm sick and tired of people that are doing things as resume builder, 
and uh, you know we get people in there just doing it in the position, but they don't know how to do it, and that's why the the, the state of politics are the way they are because there's no direction, and there's not people that don't understand the nuances of the three disciplines and all the elements and fundamentals inside of each of those. So. And you have to know those in order to be successful. And you can literally diagram your plan mm-hmm. under all of those elements. And, you, and she's, do, she's done that. Uh, so she gets it. Uh, Pam is a great, great lady. Uh, I want to address one well, thing. Leroy, this is an elected, unpaid position. I understand. I would like to make that very clear to all of your listeners. Uh, of this you, is an elected, unpaid position. Right, right. I want to I want to clarify something in your uh, candidate selection because I know it's going to bother a lot of people if I don't bring mm-hmm. this up. Okay, while you're looking for and promoting and selecting uh, good African American candidates uh, and having them. Uh, you know, mentor and bring up other African-American people into leadership. Um, uh, There is the whole community that has to be represented. And uh, I want to just make sure that everybody understands that you are grooming people to represent not just the African-American community, but especially with emphasis that way, but also you have to represent every member in your constituency once elected. I, I, am I saying the right thing there? You're, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. You know, underneath the Michigan Democratic Party umbrella, you have your, congre- your congressional districts, 1 through 14, and you have various caucuses. Each one of those caucuses that take on an ethnic name means that they present an agenda that's for their people. But at the end of all of that, we still have to come together and be Democrats. So, yes, there will be a black agenda, but if we can't find a black candidate, we want to have a candidate that understands the black agenda and the need for blacks to be at the table. Right. Because currently we're not at the table. We're we not at the about, table. We talked about that, and we're going to address that. I'd like to invite you back next week uh, because you and I are going to uh, meet and put something together uh, yes. that's going to solve all of that for all the caucuses. And yes. we're not going to be real popular with the elites in the party, but uh, that's just too damn bad. Uh, well, you know, yes, so, Leroy, that's part of the problem. And that's why I think the Michigan Democratic Party is so divided. You have the elitist or the high-profile candidate. We can do this in a very, uh, w- a very good way and a yeah. kind way and yeah. without, you know, getting them too exercised. Uh, right. So let's talk about the positives in all of this. Yeah. And yeah. this is a positive thing that we're doing, believe me. But, we but we're not work like to do that. There's some the people that aren't going to be happy, but that's just too damn bad. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. And, well, we you know, let's work let's to do change it for the better. Let's and work we've to got change enough it. time to do it before 2020. 
Yes, we do. Yes. Hey, um, I'm going to invite you back next week so we can talk about that. Uh, we do I have another come back. in the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, and I want to another... apologize to both of you. My voice sounds a little scratchy. I've been moving around the state giving so many speeches, and I'm trying to keep my voice there because I still have a month to go, basically, or a little less than a month to go. So I want to apologize to your listeners for sounding so sexy and so raspy with my voice <laughs> because it's almost giving out because I've just been speaking so much. But I love meeting the voters and the people that have concerns and opinions, and I want to hear it all. So it's I apologize big, to your listeners. You're fine. Everybody heard you well. It wasn't that you had laryngitis mm-hmm. or anything. And I get a little raspy myself because I do talk a lot on the phone. Uh, so, so they think I sound sexy, you think? <laughs> raspy. I said, <laughs> no, I said, you said I'm not I going sound there. a little sexy then. <laughs> I'll go for the I sound sexy instead of raspy, for sure. <laughs> Anyhow, you have a wonderful time. I'm going to put you back in listen mode. You're welcome Thank to stay you. and listen because we have some very, very interesting things to get to in our second segment. Uh, and uh, please, everybody, uh, stick by us here a second. I'm going to uh, turn it over to Jeff for a minute, and I'm going to go thank uh, Pam for being on the show, and then we'll get everybody back in listen mode. So Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Thank you. Okay, Jeff, just give me your best for a couple minutes. Okay, I will try. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are watching football, it looks like Philadelphia won. The game's over. Um, the second game's coming up. The weather here in Michigan is very unseasonal, but uh, we like it. We like it this way. Um, the young lady we just had on the radio show. Uh, I'm very impressed by her uh, her agenda and what she's done and what she wants to do. And I think she'll make a fine caucus chairman, chairperson. So um, maybe I can uh, attend one of her town hall meetings on the 11th and Maybe I'll show up. Eagles won. Just official. It's on Facebook. Um, but, uh, just wait here for you to come back. If you're on in the uh, switchboard, if you want to talk, please press press one. Leroy can get you in, and you can ask questions, uh, make a comment. We truly appreciate our listeners, and we'd love to hear from them. So please, if you're listening, press 1. And we'll be glad okay. to... Uh, glad to have him, right, Jeff? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm back. Glad to have him. fundamentals and doing it right and diagnosing mm-hmm. things and all of that and 
and uh, making it work, and it usually does if, if uh, you don't have uh, certain things occur. Uh, but uh, she she had a lot of it herself, and uh, I just yeah. perfected a little bit. Uh, and she's she's a fire plug, man. I'll tell you, I'm real impressed with her. And you know what? Like you said, it isn't about creating followers; it's about creating more leaders. And she gets that exactly. And none mm-hmm. of us, you know, can do all this by ourselves. So, uh, you know, so having said that. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, let me let me do our our uh, where to go here. The uh, we have our show notes here. Uh, I want to go over the uh, um, uh, this week's definition, but we're going to use the one from our last show because it's so appropriate here. Uh, this week's definition: treason. The crime of betraying one's country, defined in Article 3, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution, treason against the United States shall consist only of levying war against them or adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Allow me to augment that by saying all citizens, human and corporate citizens, are subject to the same constitutional measures. They wanted to be citizens, these corporations, and uh, Citizens Action wanted them. I think I said that right, that group. Uh, and they had the uh, case at the Supreme Court with the Federal Election Committee, and they got it. But now they're going to have to be held to some measures they might not like because we're working to have that happen. And this is one of your favorites here as far as a quote, Jeff, and you we quoted somebody earlier uh, that you have on the wall, and I know you have this one on the wall. Uh, do you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood for something some time in your life, and that's Winston Churchill. So that's our definition and our quote for this week, even though we repeated from last week. It's been kind of busy, uh, folks. Yeah, but you have that on your wall, don't you, Jeff? Yes, I do. I have both of them on my wall. Yeah. Well, probably a lot more than them, too. <laughs> if I know you. <laughs> yeah, i got quite a few. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It's it's okay. I had, I can't tell you how many. I had them on my, uh, I don't have them there any longer, but I had them all on my uh, kitchen uh, cupboard doors. I had taped them up there. I had probably 40 of them. Just interesting to see some of those things sometimes when you're just, you know, walking through the, the kitchen. Um, so that brings us to this uh, second segment. And... Uh, it's like I said. It's been a lot of work. Uh, of course, a lot of other things going on too during the holiday season. But it's been a lot of work getting this together, and I really didn't get it done until uh, this morning because I've been working on it and repositioning things and uh, writing uh, little new pieces and changing them and 
proofing them and going over them and looking at them. Then I disseminated them uh, late this morning so everybody could take a look at it. Uh, nobody, let me double check, uh, to my knowledge, nobody has come in and uh, said, don't do it. So we're doing it. Uh, everybody, I mean, I, when I when I talk to everybody, because this is a process, not an event, when I talk to everybody about doing this, uh, even in the community, uh, everybody's saying this needs to be said and it needs to be done. Uh, and we're talking about uh, the review of the United States laws and constitution that deal with treason, that regulate treason, if you will, and the penalties of treason. So, and most especially how those are affected with the newly emerging corporate citizen that we keep hearing about and we keep talking about. So, as those... Uh, things are considered, and we consider some stuff that's gone on in our country. Uh, I uh, brought this up last week as one of the elements that I, or last show, as one of the elements that I would have addressed uh, because I wouldn't have allowed if I had been elected president of the International UAW. I said there were, you know, three things that I would have been doing. One was stopping the unholy alliance of a partnership between the IUAW leadership and the, and the corporations. Uh, and that's a single signature that stops all of that. Uh, and then uh, work to get uh, real MOUs that are not just one-sided, because uh, in true negotiations, everybody gets a little something. And while we gave up, at the nadir of this economic sine wave, we gave things back. It's now the apex of the economic sine wave, and we're supposed to be having clawback, getting back some of the things we gave up, and that just simply isn't happening. They're asking for more and outsourcing work in addition to that. So all of that's unacceptable. And then the last thing was that I wouldn't have allowed Mary Barrow to just arrogantly inform us of her uh, um, uh, expletive deleted decision. Um, so uh, she would justify to us as a union and to Congress way more than she has. And I said that I would raise the question of if this rises to the level of treason in the United States. Well, as it turns out, I can't ask Congress, and nobody can, to hold a trial or ask anybody to look in and see if they've been treasonous. treasonous. But we can ask them, we, all of us, I wrote it, but everybody else can... We'll, we'll discuss the, the, the logistics of it in a minute, but uh, we can ask them for a legislative review of the laws surrounding, in the Constitution surrounding treason, 
especially when it comes to corporate uh, citizens, because it's been pretty effective for citizens that are human for you know a couple of decades now, or, um, so, you know, a couple of centuries now. I apologize, I misspoke. Uh, so, uh, they're, you know, if we're successful, and I think we will be because we have a lot of buy-in because a lot of people listen to this show, leaders, in fact, and then we know people that uh, forwarded this to some other leaders, and we saw those those folks coming forward without saying what we talked about, but putting it in stark reflect, this isn't just about the workers. This is now about the country. The very viability of the United States is at risk. And I think when you read what I wrote, you're going to find out some things that you uh, may or may not have known prior to now. Uh, I've been talking about it on a radio show. I've reduced it to writing here in this document. Uh, now, the logistics of it are, and we'll get into the, the substance in a minute, but logistics of it are <clears throat> that I wrote this pretty high-level, intense document. I'm a pretty good writer, as most of you know. And I wrote some 400 pages for Jeff and a couple hundred pages for another public review board uh, appeal. Uh, so I have been known to do some pretty good writing, and we were successful in Jeff's, you know, and his team returned to the, their membership. So we're pleased that that, uh, that occurred. But I've applied those same skills here in this. So um, uh, it, it's it's my writing. I wouldn't want to ask anybody for a lot of reasons. I'm not slating anybody, but there's reasons for this. Just pay, please pay attention to this one, okay? That you not co-sign the document itself, but rather sign a cover letter saying that you support my request for a re legislative review of the laws of treason. And both of those are on the .com page. If you click on Facebook on the, the link on the posting in Facebook, all you have to do is click on that, that uh, image, and it'll take you to our workingforliving.com, right to that page. And you'll see some fluff and things that are on there pretty much all the time because of marketing. And in the middle, you'll see uh, that we have the cover letter in about halfway down the page. You see the cover letters there. Uh, we're going to, as soon as the government shutdown is over and they get the addresses all updated properly uh, for the new reps, and governor, because we'd like to send these to both of the state senators in your state. We'd like you to send it to them. Your specific House representative, the United States uh, House of Representatives, and also to your governor of your state. And what we'll... Uh, I've been working with uh, an IT fellow who has a, a bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan, Jeff School, <laughs> and uh, he's, he's working with us, and he's going to get it to where 
as you put your name and your zip code in on the bottom of the page, it'll pre-populate your Senate and wherever you live in the United States. It'll pre-populate both of your senators, your governor, and your specific house rep. Okay? So this is high-speed stuff we're working on here. So, uh, And uh, when we get that done, uh, we'll have that. But uh, for now, we have one that can you can look it up yourself and put them in and then, or retype it if you choose to, uh, and then put your name and your own address at the bottom so they know where you're from. Uh, and But we'll have that a little easier after the shutdown, so if uh, everybody will be a little understanding about that. But we want this to get legs. I want you to tell everybody, um, not just me, we want you to tell everybody about it and see if we can get this country turned around because this, this is, we, uh, we'll talk about some of the specifics, but the, what's going on is unsustainable and we need to change it. And we've actually outlined some things and made some suggestions in this, not just me, because a lot of people had input here, okay? Uh, and But it's stuff that I've been talking about and they augmented it. Uh, so it's uh, it's really, really good stuff. I think you'll find it very interesting. I've already, since we put it out at the beginning of the show, because it wasn't public until the posts uh, around 5 or 6.15 went out, and as people are reading it, they're sending me private messages in Facebook saying, this is fantastic stuff, and you've tied the national debt to the trade deficit, and it's pretty cool stuff. I think you're you're going to like it. I think that it's going to enlighten a lot of leaders in the, the legislature, uh, legislatures, both the Senate and the House, and some of the governors, as to what has actually occurred to our country, because nothing changed here, but it changed in the rest of the world, and it, it's it's been conducive for companies corporations to move stuff overseas. But there's a couple of corporations that have been thumbing their nose in everybody's eye, and General Motors is one of them. They're the leader in in this. They've been thumbing their nose at everybody. So we're going to hold them to the highest standard in this matter, if we can. But it's not just me. It's we, right? So uh, uh, we're going to ask everybody to send it in to their reps, their senator, and their governor, and let them just, you know, gnaw on that for a while. And, uh, again, how you do that is just use the cover letter, and you can sign it or just print your name either way. Use the verbiage that's in the cover letter, please. There are a lot of reasons not to vary from that, Okay. Just, just know that, all right. We, we don't want anybody getting in, in hot water here. Okay, I'll take the heat. I'll make the, I'll, I'll be the descriptor person here. Okay, because this is a radio show, and we're a member of the Michigan Association of Broad, Association of Broadcasters, so we can do such things. And this is our opinion, by the way, that all of this has occurred. Okay, and it's our opinion 
that General Motors be held to a high standard in this regard for their actions. Okay, and it's up to Congress to do the investigations. We're just asking them. It's our opinion that we put here, okay? And we're not defaming the corporation's products or their high integrity, but we want to make sure that they're held to account should they have made any misstep, okay? So getting into the meat of this, uh, and we'll go through it a little bit because we don't, we're getting a little bit long now. We uh, don't want to go too long and lose you. So in, in my letter, the one that I wrote, okay, I addressed it to my uh, four people, the two U.S. Senators, Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters. I know them both. Lisa Slotkin, she's new to my world. And Gretchen Whitmer, I've known for some time. She's the governor. Lisa Slotkin's my House representative. And then we talked about, you know, corporate citizen accountability, especially General Motors. Okay. Uh, and then we talked about what uh, Citizens United, I don't know, I, uh, that's the one that I may have misspoke, uh, how they became, how corporations became citizens, persons, or personhoods. And this actually began in a case. Supreme Court case of Santa Clara County versus Southern Pacific Railroad in 1886. That's when it started. And then 2010, the case between uh, the uh, Citizens United and the Federal Election Committee uh, made them corporate citizens. And I'm happy they did that, actually. Although I oppose it, I'm happy that they did it because now they can be held to account. All right, um, and then we uh, we cited what the the Article Three Three meaning that it's one of the early articles in the Constitution and one of the more important articles. And in Section Three of Article Three, it it addresses treason, and then the penalty for treason is in the 18 U.S. Code 22381, and that came to be. Uh, more formal in legislation in 1948, and then it was amended in 1994. And it talks about the, the penalties, uh, and we talk about the uh, most notable uh, executions for treason were John Brown for attempting to organize resistance against slavery, and that was 1859, and then Bruce Mumford, or William Bruce Mumford, was uh, executed for tearing down flag, folks. This is serious stuff. And that was 1862, okay? And I suggested that, a, you know, we know that execution for a, a human person, but how would you do that to a corporate person or citizen? Okay, and my suggestion is that they lose their corporate entity status in the state in which they're incorporated. Can't be a corporation no more. And be barred from any like-kind global entity that may subsequently, subsequently be created from ever doing business in the United States. Okay, 
we're not playing around here, folks. Remember tit for tat? I told you not to mess around with Lordstown. You did, and here it comes. Tat. All right. The reasons that give rise to my request, our request, if you will, but it's personalized because I wrote it and this one's signed by me and I don't want to get everybody in trouble or killed. <laughs> uh, you know, we had a 1982 G7 Mexico City Summit and it was determined there that the cost of government, the taxes that are collected, would remain the same in the United States as a point of manufacture payroll withholding tax. And it would change in whole or in part in the existing countries, and it would change uh, in the all emerging countries, including China, to a point of sale. And what that means, they have a 32% advantage because when they sell their product in their country, they collect sales tax. But if it doesn't get sold, they don't collect sales tax. That product comes over here, and they can sell a 32% less because there's no tax on it at all. Not about people. It's about tax. This is real creative. This is the old shell game that you see the little shell and the pea underneath it, you know, and they move it around. And we didn't know it, by and large, except for me running around doing my stuff. And I spent three years and Saturdays, most Saturdays, in the basement of Michigan State University Library researching all this. So I kind of know what I'm talking about, non-academic uh, research project. So, and I'm, you know, some would consider me an autodidact. So, but that's caused our... Uh, trade deficit to start. And if you use 1982 as a base point, and at that time our national debt was $500 billion, not trillion, $500 billion is currently $21 trillion that's reported. Some would argue it's way more than that. Well, I, I only go about what's reported, okay? But if you take their trade deficit since that time, 1982, monthly trade deficit and compound it monthly by the uh, 10-year Treasury bill for the same month and compound it every month from then until now, our trade deficit on a monthly basis, it equals our $21 trillion debt. Amazing, huh? And I think I mentioned earlier that this guy named Euclid uh, mathematicians said that all things that are equal are related, essentially. So we have a $21 trillion compounded trade deficit that equals our tr national debt. In other words, if we didn't have all of this hooky going on, we'd probably be real close to that $500 billion still. Well, well e easily manageable. The problem, as you're seeing right now, is interest rates are starting up. And 46 minus 1 is all exercised about that, and he should be. Okay? He should be. Because there come a time, if we don't deal with this, like now, like yesterday, in the way that's outlined in my documents, written, 
and there's really no other options here to do this. If we don't deal with it now, there's going to come a time sooner rather than later and scarier than you can possibly imagine where we won't have enough money to service the debt. Okay? We won't have enough money to service the interest on national debt, $20 trillion, $21 trillion. It's all fine, well, and good when you're paying 4% interest on that debt. But when you start having to pay 10, 12, 14%, there's not that much money in our country anymore. They told me in 1995 when I was at the National Pell, oh, the pile's big, we don't have to worry about it. Well, there's no more piles of crater, probably the size of Arizona crater. And it's growing. We got to fix this like yesterday. And intellectuals that know better didn't step up because they're scared for their job. And they told me as much when I was in Boston in 1995. uh, Professor Economics came to me after listening to my spiel several times at every session and said, keep beating your drum or we're going to be in dire straits. He came, he went home that night, actually did the numbers. And he saw, he forecasted what's occurred and what I've just written about. And he said, keep, you know, he come to me the next morning with his pal. I said, he says, keep beating your drum, or we're going to be in dire straits. Well, here it is, 23 years later, and we're in dire straits, maybe 24 years later, I guess, 95, 19 but a full 23 years later, and we're in dire straits. We have a 21 trillion dollar national debt caused by, arguably caused by our trade deficit. This is unsustainable, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, brothers and sisters. It's unsustainable. And if we continue down this path, we won't have a freaking country at all. Okay? So it's incumbent upon you Take a couple minutes and sign the cover letter, attach this document, and send it in. And tell your neighbors to do the same damn thing. We the people need to rise up and tell them corporate America has all but destroyed our country, and it needs to stop. And if some of them need to be charged with treason, so be it. If they refuse to reverse their actions... They should be charged with treason and have their corporate entity stripped from them, rescinded, and be barred for all time for any like-kind corporations doing business in the United States. And we're not frickin' blinking General Motors. Not a bit. Stop what you're doing. All of you corporations, it's not just you. You're just stupid enough to come to the fore. And I didn't fall out of bed yesterday. Okay, sir. Point of sale versus point of manufacture. Differences in sales and cost of government tax collection is a big deal. And it's ruined this country. 
Now, there have been targeted tariffs. As I go in and talk about this, targeted tariffs, but didn't address the entire magnitude of the problem because they're targeted. Okay, and the current targeted def, uh, tariffs have caused Romex 12-2 Romex wire, a thousand feet of it, to go from before the the tariff of $169 a roll to $299 a roll. And lumber alone has increased by $7,000 for the average home since the tariffs. Now that's way more than the sales tax that if you just simply said, let's collect the sales tax on it that wasn't charged in their country and give it back to them. Okay, and now that we have this problem with our $21 trillion debt caused by this tax imbalance and trade deficit, let's collect the first 21000 and keep it rather than give it back to them. The first $21 trillion, I mean. The first $21 trillion of captured sales tax, we should just put it, apply it to our national debt. Okay, this is a lot of thinking and deep thought that's gone into this and bouncing it around a lot of other people that are really sharp. Okay, so the answer is to charge, or, charge a sales tax on those products coming in and give the money back to the country that's sending them. Okay, so we don't violate GATT, Global Agreement on Tax and Tariff, that locked us in, that the one that was uh, ratified or signed, rather signed, on December 8, one year exactly after NAFTA, December 8, 1994. Okay, so we don't violate the Global Agreement on Tax and Tariff, GATT. We're going to give the money back to them except we're going to impose a penalty of $21 trillion on the first $21 trillion that we collect, and we're going to put that towards our debt that they caused. Okay, Now, it's going to cause some prices to go up, but they're not going to go up from 169 to $299 in six months' time. They'll go up to 10 or 12 or 14%. But nothing like this crazy tariff crap that's going on. You know, Aristotle said, a problem defined is a problem half solved. Nobody sat around and thought about the real cause of the problem like we've done here in this document. Okay? These are solutions that will work if our country gets the sphincter from around their neck. Having said that, there's some more in the document. I think you'll see that we've given up a lot of things, and this is outlined, and, you know, this just shouldn't be. And this is not just General Motors Corporation. It's every stinking corporation in the nation, let alone dead peasants insurance being siphoned out of the revenue stream 
for the benefit of corporate executives' pension plans. In one case, being $858 million Ford, former Ford CEO Mark Fields. I outed him May 1st. Jeff was standing next to me on the Capitol steps of Michigan Capitol Building. Steps of Michigan Capitol Building. I outed him, telling everybody he has an $858 million pension fund. Three weeks later, to the day, on May 21st, he was fired. Yeah. Thirty-two days later, I had a family tragedy occur. I won't go into that. But we need to stop this stuff. We need to reverse it, arrest it, identify it, fix it, arrest it, and and pay down our debt because of it. We have a lot of support from a lot of places for this. The, the, the concept, just the overall concept, we heard in our announcements that Terry Ditas said it's about the country too. Sherrod Brown, Senator Sherrod Brown, United States Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio, said it isn't just about the workers, it's about the country this time. And former Vice President Joe Biden said this is not just about the the workers. It's about the country. We've laid out a plan for a new Congress to take a look at, Senate and House. And we've told them what to do. We suggested, highly suggested, you know, 44 senators suggested that they they encouraged the current members of the Senate to not act out of political allegiances or personal gain, but rather for the good of the country, pretty much what we say at the beginning of every one of our shows. It's time, you know, we shouldn't be enemies. You know, we might disagree, but we shouldn't be enemies, and that's got to stop. Because you can be enemy to death, and our country will die right before your eyes. And if you don't act immediately, Congress, and I mean you don't have six months to frog around with this, because the next bottom is coming in the next 24 months. Historically, they do. And this one will be there before then, but I'm giving you 24. And you got to fix it before the bottom gets here. Way before the bottom gets here. you got maybe six months. Fix it. And do it now. And I'm not just speaking for me. Whole damn countries disgusted with corporate America destroying our country. you gotta sugge- you got a, a suggested plan asking you to review the laws of treasons, get them a little, you know, quivering a little bit so that you can have some leverage over them. But, you know, you have some things to do yourself. Legislation regarding what I've just talked about is best 
initiated in the legislature, not by the executive branch. You get it worked out between you. It's not hard. It's not hard. All you got to do is say, hey, on, on products coming from other countries that have a sales tax and there's no tax in these things, you know, charge the sales tax. Just charge the, and, and, you know, write it up as if you're going to give it back to them. But then put a penalty on it to, re, you know, retire our debt. It's simple. Come on, people. It's not rocket science. But I'm going to tell you something. You better plug the hole in something other than a tariff with something other than a tariff. Because if you don't plug the hole, we're done. We're done. It's unsustainable to continue to have a trillion dollars leaving this country every year in trade deficit. We will no longer be a consumer country very shortly if you don't stop that leak. The Fed, and we talk about it in the document, put about $9 trillion into the economy, and they're taking that back out of the economy as we speak. That's why I keep saying this bottom's coming sooner rather than later. They got 4.6 left that they got to unwind, trillion dollars. They're going to pull out of the economy because that $9 trillion they had in there masked all of what I just talked to you about. We'd already beat destroyed as a country. But the only reason that we existed was because the the Fed put nine trillion nine trillion dollars into our economy so we could continue to have our happy party. Fat, dumb and happy and be able to buy things from other countries. Keynesian economic theory, gone. Because the manufacturing was done, gone, when you buy something overseas, you not only send the money over there, you create the job when you buy something foreign. And when they have a, a cost advantage of 32%, you're going to buy your pocketbook. Everybody told me in the middle 90s, oh, no, people ain't going to buy their pocketbook. They're, they're, they're patriotic. You know, they're going to buy American. Yeah, okay. You know, at least if I buy something foreigns built by somebody that made real wage. I drive an Equinox. It's made in Canada. They make as much as we do. Okay? I support our brothers and sisters in Canada. I like them. Wish the rest of them in leadership would like them. Jerry Diaz left our convention mad as hell. Smoking. He was just red-faced and left. And I talked about uh, the other day, I'm, that's about all I have to say on this. I'm going to ask Jeff what his input is here in a minute. But you know, I, I, t- I talked about a couple shows ago about how, you know, the one video by the the first video that came out after the I think it was the 27th of November, the youngest member of the the uh, chain of command in the uh, uh, Ruther Caucus. IUAW at the regional level said, oh, we need help. We can't do this by ourselves. Yep, we need help. 
And I said, but the Teamsters are mad at us because we stole their work. They got it back through National Labor Relations Board action. Well, we stole it from them. Imposed our will on them. I said, you know, found one of the local leaders at, at a non-union built facility and, and owned by a company that's non-union, that hates unions, and the person was there patronizing the non-union family, union-hating, union-busting family. Then I didn't get it, but I was going to uh, correct my uh, being remiss. We authorized the construction, I guess, at, well, I just thought he was going to get in one of the old cabins and make it his. No, this con new construction up at Black Lake for Dennis Williams' little happy new home. That's where his driver's license had, they say. <clears throat> so the problem is I get an email the next day from the AFL-CIO asking me what I thought about that little project up there after it came out that we're building it non-union. RUAW is building his freaking house non-union. And let me tell you something. If you're asking the AFL-CIO for help in any of our effort, forget about it. In fact, if I were you, I'd tear the freaking house down and start over from scratch, union, buying, or using union labor. That's what I'd do. I don't care how much money it costs. That relationship with our other unions, brothers and sisters, is far more important than what you... I don't even... I can't even think of a word to describe you right now. have done to the relationship between unions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not happy. And they were really hoping that, that I'd win because they were looking forward to a good relationship building process, unifying. And I had already worked on that. But some things happened at convention. And we know what happened. And they know what happened. Yeah. All parties know. The one thing I can rest on, we're all building our own history. And this is history that's going to be carried forward until the end of time. And we here at Working for a Living can stand tall, can't we, Jeff? Damn right, you're right. Uh, brother, I, I know you, you got to see this a little earlier in the day, and I know you're also busy in the afternoon there, so I don't know how much of this you really had to delve into and get a good read on, on what I wrote in total, because I really didn't, uh, you know, I've been finessing it for essentially two and a half weeks, uh, and I uh, didn't get it in public until now. I can't, everybody kind of knew what was coming. And I, I was real clear that I've had to spend a lot of time just explaining this. 
uh, to people and then finessing in my own mind and how to do it. And I've written little pieces here and there, and then I got them all over the past weekend. I've got them all together. It's, you know, six pages, uh, but it's carrying a lot of stuff. It, there's little to no what's called hubris in it. That's how I write. I don't put hubris or unnecessary words in it and try to stay on focus, on point. So, uh, Brother Jeff, do you have any thoughts on, on this here effort? I think it's really worth uh, doing. Like you said, um, we are in a bind. And we need to change things drastically real quick. I, uh, I like what you wrote. I will be sending out my letter to my reps over the next day or two. Um, this is really important, people. Please read what see what I wrote. It's very impressive. I'm very proud to be acquainted with Leroy. Um, please check it out. Thank you. Thank you. And, Thank you. and it, that's reciprocal, Jeff. I mean, I mean, you bring stuff to the table. It just, you know. Just knocks me down sometimes. I where'd that come from? But that's really great stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, but thank you for that compliment, Jeff. Very much so. And it's reciprocated here. We got a lot of people out there that, you know, uh, investigative reporters that are doing stuff for us. Don't want to say the names on air, but you can find it uh, in our uh, website. They're kind of, you know, off in the corner. But you can find them. And that's important because uh, we are a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters on this radio show, and that affords us just a tad more uh, um, latitude in what we cover. We're not just some podcast. We really are a – our classification is – a, a low power, not non-commercial low power station. Okay, and low power meaning just essentially the the internet. Uh, so, but that's and we just paid our membership. We paid it early, so we're good shape with them. They like us. They 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 catch us our show every now and then. They complimented because I I call them and talk to them when it's time for news, and uh, they're they're happy to have us there. Jeff's our liaison to them, and we're going to be more and more active uh, with the Michigan Association broadcasters. You can expect that we'll get some recognition for stuff like this that we've done, uh, and it's uh, it's important to this nation. I hope I hope that what we're doing here writes our good ship, United States of America, so that the mast stands up nice and tall and nice and straight. No matter what party you're from, I don't care. Just do the right thing. Just Jeff's of the same mind. You heard a lady on here earlier, Pamela. She's of the same mind. Let's do the right thing and get it straight. We can fix this country. Let's go back. Make it truly make it make it make America great again. Actually somebody wrote that in and said, you know, I know what you're writing is going to make America great again, and truly make. And 
I told him, I says, you know, what I'm writing has all the elements to do just exactly that, make America great again, stop the hole in our economy that's spilling money, a trillion dollars a year, running right out the side of our bucket. And now the Fed is going to take another 46 out of the bucket, trillion out of the bucket. So the crater's getting pretty good size. And I don't know, folks. I mean, all of these people running around say they know what time of day it is. They don't have common sense. Pour, pour water out of the boot, you know, with instructions on the heel. So, But having said that, we're a little long. Uh, we hope that everybody participates in this effort. Every last person in the country, it's in your best interest to do this country's interests, so uh, we hope that we shake the bush sometimes. I think it was Patton that said, uh, sometimes you have to create a crisis in order to get positive resolution. Well, we've been kicked around long enough. I just created a crisis. Let's work on it. Make it work. Thanks for everybody's support. Thanks for everybody's listening. In tonight and all the times that we have you on, um, Jeff, you got anything last words to say? Um, yeah, this is very important. You know, don't do it just for yourself. Do it for your kids and your grandkids. Um, what what are we going to leave for them if we don't do this? So think about it and get involved. Send a letter and uh, just turn the ship around, like Joey Ward said. It needs to happen. That's all I got, Leroy. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. You know, I mean, you know, we all got kids, and those of us that don't, we got nephews and and grandkids, and you know, adopted kids and friends. Let's fix this country, okay? Let's fix it. People out there that don't like our country have made rules to destroy our country. Lester Thoreau talked about it in his 1989 message to the National Press Club. I have the video. I have the video. I'm one of the only ones in the country that actually videoed it because I don't think they have it. It's cool stuff. But he warned us about what's what's occurred, and he outlined it for many of the same reasons I've just given you. So, Lester Thoreau was the uh, economics professor and dean at MIT, Massachusetts Internet. Uh, what is M- What is MIT? And does, uh, well, whatever it is, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. All right, folks, that's about all I have. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all our listeners around the globe that listen. Thanks to our listeners in Mexico and Canada. Thanks to everybody that's listening in the United States, most especially our UAW brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening. If you found value in this show, tell one more person. Thanks to our special guest, Pamela Gerald, and... We wish her the very best, and she'll be back next week. I talked to her, and she invited her back next week. 
she and I are going to work on a little project, uh, and uh, we're going to get everybody a little more voice. You know, when I was chair of Ingham County Democratic Party, the first order of business was to expand the uh, the executive officers from five to seven, so we had greater diversity at the party. And we're going to do that for the state party. So, uh, everybody, have a great week. Stay safe. Uh, You know, take a second and do this and look in the mirror and say, I just did one of the most patriotic things I ever did in my life. God bless you all. Have a great week. Have a good night. Bye-bye. night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.